the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woohoo! Welcome to today's show. We have some great guests today, and you will be blessed by their testimony and what they've done in life thus far. They are both believers and It is such an honor to have them here, but we want you to stick around for the latter part of the show where we will be coming out of the book of Malachi. So today we have Norma and Tim Murakami. And so we are uh, uh, just honored to have you both here today. And and Tim, we're going to start with you. Can you tell our audience a little bit about you before we go into our Q&A? Well, I've been a Christian probably... 36 years, I believe. Wow. Praise the Lord. But I've been law enforcement uh, over 43 years, uh, just retired, and I was blessed to hold the rank of uh, undersheriff of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. That is amazing. Norma, you want to tell us a little bit about you, what you do? Um, yeah, I've been a Christian for the, how much? <laughs> a year longer than me. Yeah. <laughs> so 44 years. <laughs> no, 36 years. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, I've been able to be a stay-at-home mom. I homeschooled our kids, um, probably the majority of their school life. So we have four children. Uh, we have a 45-year-old, a 35-year-old, 33-year-old, and a 32-year-old, and 15 grandkids. 15 grandkids. Yes, who are all homeschooled, by the way. Wow, praise yes, the Lord. Yes, I know. So that was my job. That was my ministry, was being a wife and a homeschool uh, mother, and I don't regret it, and I love it. Amen. And then later on, doing some pro-life work. Amen. Yeah. So, Tim, you have been you were an, uh, a sheriff for 43 years in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a very rough place. You know, it's known throughout not just America, but throughout the world as a very rough city. How was that for you? Because you served for 43 years. How was that? Um, challenging. You know, over 43 years, I watched uh, the the county change. I watched the city change, uh, often not for the better. Um, but I was uh, probably eight years in before I became a Christian, and my whole perspective changed to where, um, as, as before I became a believer, I looked forward to conflict. And after becoming a believer, I wish to avoid conflict. Amen. Yeah, and, and I, I always look for a um, peaceful solution. And your heart, your heart changes. It's, it's like um, you, you want to do good for people. You want to help people out. Uh, even though you're enforcing the law, um, you still want to make a difference in people's lives. So you started as an officer, a, a sheriff, in 1979. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Um, in 1979, it was pretty rough. It was there was a lot of gangs in Los Angeles. Uh, 
very well known for its population. Um, and you started off working in the police, uh, in the uh, downtown sheriff's, sheriff's jail? Yes, sir. How was that for you? I spent uh, four years there before going to East LA Station. And um, it was a good place to learn. Cause you're actually living with, with the criminals for eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. So you learn how to talk to them. You learn about the way they think. But also it, um, it taught me that there are a lot of good people in jail. I'd say probably 95% of the criminals in there are, are decent people. They just made bad decisions. 5% are straight evil. Um, but for most of the time, there's people that I've known that have been locked up. We're friends now. Wow. You know, because of the fact that um, they're not bad people. They're just, they made bad decisions, which we all have. Wow, that's that's an amazing way mm-hmm. to put that. Because I, you must have earned the respect of a lot of inmates. Because I heard you say 90, 95% are just people who made wrong decisions, mistakes that cost them, and 5% are just straight-up evil. Um, did you ever have any run-ins with any of these people? Because you weren't a Christian at the mm-hmm. beginning, so did you ever have any run-ins with any of these people, the 5% that literally run the system in there? Yeah, I mean, one time when I was working as a new deputy, I watched a guy um, stab another inmate in the neck sever his carotid artery, and then um, after I arrested him, he had no more emotion than if he swatted a fly. Wow. Were you a Christian when you witnessed that? No, I wasn't. So how did you look at that being when you were not a Christian? Was it horrific? Was it just part of the job? It it wasn't horrific per se, but I remember talking to the guy as uh, he lay on the ground dying. Um, As he's talking to be graphic, uh, chunks of blood were coming out of his mouth because what it is is carotid blood, so it coagulates. And I remember talking to him saying that he's going to make it to encourage him, even though I know he was dead. Right. Yeah. Wow, that must... Did, did you ever have flashbacks when, of this incident? <clears throat> no, not at all. It just it just showed me how cold-blooded some people can be. Uh, I guess he was so um, out of control that even the Mexican Mafia didn't want to deal with him. So he probably got dealt with as well in there during his time. No, he went to state prison. Um, but again, the Mexican Mafia didn't want to deal with him because he was uncontrollable. Uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. So you were there for four years. You must have witnessed a lot of stuff. Um, after leaving, you went to East L.A. East L.A. isn't the nicest place either. Um, by then, you're a Christian? Yes. No, actually, uh, uh, before I left East L.A., I became a Christian. Oh, so you went to East L.A., and then mm. that's where uh, you had an encounter with the Lord. Yes, just after I left. So yeah. tell me about your encounter. How did this happen? You're a, you're now a, a toughened mm. sheriff. You're around the worst people in California because Northern California has nothing on on Southern California mm. inmates, especially Los Angeles mm. inmates. So I, I don't know if you're hardened by this time. Um, how, how was your encounter? How did the sheriff of witnessing all of these horrible things now have an encounter with God? Well, to be quite blunt, it, it happened through my wife. Your wife. Um, 
she became a Christian first, and I'm like, hey, do your thing. Uh, go to church. Just don't bother me. So she went for a while, and then I, I started seeing changes in her, and she invited me to go, and I'd say, no, thank you. Then one night, she <clears throat> she told me, you got too much pride. I'm like, okay, whatever. Went back to sleep. Then I went to church, and then it was, in, it was uh, Calvary Chapel, West Covina. Pastor Rawl taught out of Second Kings uh, 5 on uh, Naaman, not Naaman, um, God, I just blanked on him, the, the general um, that was asked to, to uh, wash in the River Jordan. That was Naaman. Yeah, so that's what spoke to me. Because for most cops, because of pride, as we do something great, I'll do it. As we do something simple, too simple. And that's the, the, I think, what makes the gospel so hard. It's so simple, yet we make it difficult. So the fact that uh, that message confirmed what she's telling me, that's when I, I bowed my knees. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. So, so Norma, you've been a Christian before your husband. Uh, what did you think being married now to a sheriff, a toughened man that, that, I mean, has witnessed everything that you can imagine, and you're this... Homestay wife, you're raising children now. Um, how was your prayer towards God? What were you praying? Well, I I became Christian six months before him, and um, I was in the women's Bible study and so forth. And I do remember, uh, it's like what pastors tell everyone, um, you don't have to beat the Bible <laughs> Beat your husband's head with the Bible, right? I don't think he would have allowed you. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, come across strong and all that. You know, just pray for them. And, um, you know, but with Tim, because he was such a good guy in my eyes, um, it was hard to find anything that was kind of wrong with him. So for me, I thought, oh, yeah, I need the Lord for sure, because I've done a lot of bad things. <laughs> but with him, I just could not find anything, not that I was looking, but um, I heard Pastor Rawls' message about pride, like the sin of pride. And I'm like, oh my gosh, pride is a sin. I mean, the sin of pride, I've never heard that before. I was a new Christian, so I'm, I was just learning. Right. So then that was when the Lord said, that's what your husband needs, is he needs the Lord because he does have pride. And, you know, in that kind of a job, it's easy to, to become prideful because um, you're in control and you know, it's just a very easy, it's it's easy to do that in that line of work. Right. And so I prayed for him. And then that's when I shared with him, like, you know what? I There is a sin called pride. And I think that, I think that's what you have, you know? And then, um, but of course the Lord had changed me a lot already in six months. So I guess that was a testimony to him. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I, 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 I see Tim and I know him through you because mm -hmm. I know you, Norma. You've spoken at our church, and you're a pro-life advocate. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, but, Tim, you seem like a very uh, well-together man. Like, like even without God, you had your life pretty well together. Like, you knew what you wanted to accomplish. You, you got a degree before you went into, uh, into the sheriff's. What kind of degree was that? It's just a bachelor of science in uh, criminal justice, so nothing great. Did, did you always know you wanted to be uh, uh, a law enforcement? No. Growing up, I didn't like cops. Really? Yeah. They're the ones that broke up parties. Oh, my goodness. 
But uh, as I got older, I was looking for a career to make a difference and had some stability. And that's and I had an older friend that would join the sheriff's department, so I kind of followed through. Where did you grow up? Well, until I was 12, I lived in Crenshaw. And after that, we moved to Monterey Park. And that's why I went to junior high and high school. So, so you've been around chaos. Yes. Your whole life. Yes. How did you keep it together? Because you weren't serving God. I, I think I had a, a good family, a stable family. We weren't um, rich by any means, but they also provided, and they had a loving, uh, caring household. And, and uh, when it came to education, um, if I came home with a C, the, my mom would ask, did you do your best? And if I said yes, she said, okay. And if I said no, she said, you need to try harder. And that was the end of it. Wow. So there was no uh, typical Asian pressure to excel. Um, but also, you know, it's just like when we, when I used to teach Christian parenting. Part of my drive was not to embarrass my parents, you know. So you want to do right because, you know, you ought to have obligation to your your family. So I don't know. That, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty amazing. So after you had an encounter in East L.A., you, you gave your life to the Lord— um, you, to be uh, under sheriff means you, you climbed uh, the rank. So tell us from just being a regular sheriff, what happened next before you got to under sheriff? Well, basically, um, I never had any career goals. I, I tell the younger people, don't strive for the next rank because it distorts your thinking. Your job is to be the best at, at your present job. And um, through some of the time, my, my work was recognized, and I was able to move up. But at a certain point in my career, uh, the executives knowing I was a Christian kind of hindered my career because they knew that I wouldn't bow down before them, and I would do the right thing. Amen. And, uh, the sh- you know, the sheriff, basically, my attitude was, if you promote me, I'll shake your hand and thank you, but I don't owe you anything. Amen. And under some of the regimes, in order to achieve higher rank, you had to sell out your values. And I wouldn't do that, So they and they knew that. So they respected me, but they knew they wouldn't want to uh, move me up the ranks because of that. That's awesome. So you eventually became a sergeant, a lieutenant, a captain, and, yes. and then second in command. Yes. That's amazing. That's your – a man's man, like I said earlier, I, I – uh, Man, you know, there's very few people like you because most of us will give up whatever it is, and even as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, to get to the next level, the next promotion, but it's something you didn't do. Um, if I could say something Please. to that, too. So when um, Tim, we saw his career suffer because he was a Christian, you know, held back on things, and it was discouraging. I saw him discouraged at times. And um, I just remember telling him, you know what? God knows and he promotes. Man doesn't promote, but God promotes. And um, but, you know, it it's if you don't see it happening, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's not tangible. So um, that's how his career has gone is the Lord. No, there's not anybody. Um, he can't take credit. I can't uh, for his uh, moving up in the ranks. And so, but it has been a God promotion every time. So God always gets the glory. And so when he finally made under sheriff, it was such a blessing because I remember thinking, see, God saw and he knew 
your your heart and he gave this to you and you didn't even want it and you didn't even strive for it but it made up for all the pain when other people did not recognize him just because he was a christian you see what i'm saying oh I, yeah. yeah thank you for sharing that hey if you just tune in this is freedom with adam riojas and we have some incredible amazing guests norma jean and her husband tim who was second in command as a sheriff he's now retired but now he's continuing in ministry. So that's my next question. Um, you're now retired as a Los Angeles sheriff, uh, under sheriff, second in command. What are your goals now? What are you um, looking forward to do now in life? Uh, especially, you know, your wife has been a pro advocate for life for so many years. What is the next step in life? I really have no goals. <laughs> right now I'm just resting, but even on the sheriff's department, I was very involved in um, the Fred Jordan mission, taking care of the homeless. I was involved in pro-life with my wife. Wow. Uh, we helped, we opened two pro-life uh, centers for women. Um, also involved in speaking to Christian officers. Also, I served at the church in different ministries. I taught uh, Christian parenting. So I've I've got I've had a lot of experience in ministry, but right now I'm just kind of taking a breather. But um, I'm just wanting to see where the Lord leads, and that's where if if I'm called, I'll answer the call. But I don't volunteer for anything. You just, <laughs> you're waiting for God. to That's call. why He has me. No, I mean that's yeah. awesome. I you know I I'm just kidding. I, no, you're you're absolutely <laughs> right. It, it, you know the 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 mm-hmm. wife completes us. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that is amazing. I, I you know. I like your style. You're amazing. You've always just waited on God for him to promote you and to get you to another place. And that it seems like that's what you're doing now. You you're just waiting on God to see what the next move is. So let me ask you a question, Norma. Um, You know, you've been a Christian a little longer and and wives are very important. And and Tim has this amazing level head on him. What do you see? happening now uh, from this point on in life because now he's around more and now you guys have an opportunity i'm so glad you're here on the radio i'm like i'm elated that you're here today and i know you're blessing the audience that's listening Mm -hmm. so tell me what do you see ahead um well we've already been invited to do several things like teach parenting you know speak on pro life different things but like he said we're waiting on the lord for the timing and of course my personality is like let's get on this right now um but um i know that tim he keeps me level right so amen <laughs> and i know that when the time is right we will be um and it could be as soon as next week or like right now this is ministry right now so um just being there for our family. Um, on the way here, he was doing some law enforcement consulting, security consulting for a church. Um, so that's ministry, even though it's not formal. It's not like, you know, it's we ministry. have. Yeah, it's not. We don't have business cards and a website and all that, you know, but but it is ministry. It's just wherever you're at. Right. So whatever the Lord wants to do. But now we get to do it together. Um, and then when he was under sheriff. The Lord used us, obviously, because then he was like, him and the sheriff would be the first ones to get 
information on the officers that were down. So we got to go pray with the families. He had to deliver the bad news. We got to, um, I got to help other groups, you know, provide meals for these families, attend the law enforcement memorials with them. So we were still doing what we did when he was not in that position. And um, just trying to be um, that that light to those that were hurting when their their husbands were killed in the line of duty or died in some way or another. That's awesome. Yeah. Tim, how many children do you have? Four. Four children. Mm-hmm. What, what do they do? Let's see. Um, one is in sales. One does um, skincare sales. The other is she's a stay-at-home wife, and her husband is a, a deputy sheriff. That's she's awesome. a photographer. Yeah, she's a photographer, too. And then the other one uh, is involved in, um, he's managing, like, alarm systems. Company. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're busy. And you have how many grandchildren? Fifteen. Fifteen grandchildren. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's a blessing, but it's a lot of money at the holidays. It's a good thing he was an undersheriff. Because <laughs> I tell people to keep working and promoting. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. You, you know, uh, here's a tough question. Um, you're a sheriff all these years. Uh, was there any time you saw a sheriff, and I, I no names, that did something that wasn't right and... You had to uh, say something about it. Yes. And, and uh, well, back one time, it would be a, a guy that had a, a partner that was uh, cheating on his wife. Oh, wow. And um, Norman and I were dating, and he met um, my partner's wife. I'm mean, not girlfriend. Girlfriend. Right? Okay, so we went, out, went to dinner together. Right. And then we're going to get married. He's part of my, my uh, marriage thing. And then Norma meets the wife. So she's oh like, my goodness. yeah, but that's part of the, the police culture. But it got to the point where I, I pulled my partner aside and said, you got to make a decision. Either be faithful to your wife or go with your girlfriend, but you can't do both. So he left his wife. Wow. Which I wasn't hoping for. But then again, God is good. Uh, years the later, they got, they, got, they got restored and they're, they're married now and they're doing fine. But I had to confront my partner about his uh, behavior. Did you have to ever confront an officer over behavior outside of morality as far as doing something against ethical, unethical within the department? There's there's times I had to tell other people that um, that line on no cross. And they had to fully understand that, you know, that if you want to go that direction and not good. So then it was able to pull them back, but uh, it, it happens. Yeah, that's awesome because I know yeah. there was a, a department in Los Angeles that the whole department went mm-hmm. astray mm-hmm. and and it kind of gave everybody a bad rap. But I mean, talking to you and, and earlier and now, I, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for, for everything you've done and, you know, the man that, that you became during this year's, it's, it's not, it's rare. Because I have friends, again, some of them, you know, um, cross the line sometimes. But that's amazing. And I am, I'm honored to be here on this show with you and, and, to, and to hear this from you. If there is something that you could tell um, someone who wants to be an officer or law enforcement, you're a sheriff or a police officer or, or a sheriff, 
what would you what would you say to them if they're if they if they wanted to go in and they they're they're thinking about it? What would you how would you encourage them or, or what would you say to them? Well, basically, it's a um, despite what's going on right now with the media, it's still a, an honorable profession, and it's a profession where you can can actually go out there and help people. You just have to be willing to uh, take the hits. You know, like even ourselves, you know, the media would discredit us even though we're, we're doing the right thing. I saw that a lot. So, again, you got to be able to um, control yourself, not respond back in kind. You know, and it, it's tough, but sometimes people that don't know any better will get in your face and cuss you out. Um, you got to be able to put yourself above that and not uh, engage with them and, and pray that they eventually they see what's right. Um, but, again, I, 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 it's a career that I don't uh, – Regret. Um, I'm, I'm, I was blessed by it. Amen. Uh, but it wasn't a difficult lifestyle. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, Norma. What would you tell um, a, a wife or even a girlfriend who uh, their spouse or boyfriend is thinking of going into law enforcement? I would say be as supportive as you can because um, it takes a special person to be a law enforcement officer, and it's normally a calling upon their lives, this calling for justice and to help people. And so just support your husband. Be there for him. Um, and even if, you know, even if you see the pressure around and you watch new, the news and you're afraid, like I, I dealt with women who were afraid that their husbands were going to get hurt or whatever it's like just be a support to them you know don't be saying you know don't try not to discourage them and say you know you should really quit or retire this is not the job for you we don't know because if it's their calling just be a support and it's been um i've been blessed by it and i just toughen up myself i just toughened up and you're almost like a single mom just suck it up and do it amen (laughs) and pray for your husband (laughs) that's that's encouraging we have a one minute, what would you tell someone who is serving now in law enforcement? How would you encourage them, especially with all the media and the bad publicity, bad publicity that is happening now? Well, even with the adversity I've, I've seen in my career, I looked at my commitment to, to the Lord, of course, my family, to the community, and to the other members of the department. That superseded anything. You know, even when like I said, when I was being beaten down at work, I still had it. I still have my obligation to everybody to serve them and serve them with honor. So we can't let that diminish what we do. So. Wow, that is powerful. You know, I want to thank you both so much for allowing me and giving me the privilege for having you as guests today. I want you to please stay, and then Tim, after mm-hmm. our message, if you would close us out. Hey, we'll be right back. We love you and know that God is on the throne. And that there are righteous law enforcement like Tim, who we had on the show today. We love you. And we'll be right back with the book of Malachi. God bless you. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. 
Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Woohoo! Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. Of course, you just heard an incredible interview with Tim and Norma Jean. Uh, they both go to a, a, a church in Chino, uh, Calvary Chapel with Jack Hibbs. And they are amazing, and and I, I want you to know that if if you're listening now and you're thinking of going into law enforcement, you can do it being a Christian. You just heard Tim. He was a Christian for most of his career, and he ended up in second in command. That is powerful. But now we are going to turn into the book of Malachi, and Malachi fits almost exactly where we're at now. Now, Malachi is an interesting man of God because when he wrote this book, and today we're going to go through chapter one, and we'll, it'll take us, you know, four weeks to finish this chapter. But, I mean, this book, but it's, it's amazing because the people that had been taken to captive, the Israelites, had, you know, been now back in their land about a hundred years after being enslaved, seventy years, and somehow they had reverted right back to their old ways. They had forgotten what God had taught them while they were enslaved in in Babylon. But they were now back in their country, and it had now been about a hundred years after they were there. And we know this simply because. Uh, Malachi repeats some of the same rebukes that Nehemiah had given um, to the people after they had returned. And so without further ado, let's get into this message, and you will be blessed just like I was. And it starts off like this, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Now, most of us know what a burden is. It's it's what you're holding in, how you're feeling, and, and, and you're not feeling very well about something, and, and you have to bring it out. And God does. He uses Malachi to bring out a word that God had for his people because they had gone astray and began to do what they thought was right in their own eyes. And here we go. Uh, Verse 2 says, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, wherein has thou loved us? Was not Esau's, Jacob's brother, saith saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. Now, what's really amazing about this is, is not only is God saying, I have loved you. He's actually saying, when you read it in the Hebrew, I loved you before, 
I love you now and I will love you in the future. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. And, and then, and then of course, we have the Israelites who are asking these questions, these rhetorical questions that really make no sense when they start off by asking them a, a, a senseless question. How have you loved us? And, you know, what is this, God? How have you loved us? But see, this is the beginning of these seven questions that they pose to God. Um, in Malachi, of course, what we just read is, is in what way have you loved us, God? And in Malachi 1.6, it says, in what way have, you de- have we despised your name? And the third question is, in what way have we defiled you? Malachi 1.7. Malachi 2.17 says, in what way have we worried you? In Malachi 3.7, in what way shall we return? Malachi 3.8, in what way have we robbed you? Malachi 3.13, in what way have we spoken to you? It's, it's hard to, to see how these people, after being back in their land, after being blessed to be able to rebuild their temple that was in chaos, um, and while the surrounding people of that time wanted to destroy them, somehow God miraculously blessed them and allowed them to build the temple But now they had gone astray and they're asking God, how have you loved us? You know, God pours out his love in these powerful ways that when we take our eyes off of God and we start to look at our own personal problems, we we start feeling sorry for ourselves and somehow we get away and not believe that God loves us. We need to stay in his word. We need to stay in prayer. We need to keep our eyes on him. We need to remember all that God has done for us to that point. When we take our eyes off of one thing, we begin to take our eyes off all of the love that God has for us. The third verse says this, And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people look at this verse and say, wait a minute, how does God hate Esau? Now, when you look at this verse on its surface, it's easy for someone to look here and say, wait a minute, God hates? God loves Israel and hates and hates Esau? How is that possible? How does God choose? Now, remember, God is sovereign, and God's ways are not our ways, and God sees into the future. God knows what's going to happen. God knows the heart. So to question God in a way that makes it difficult for you to understand is to say God doesn't isn't sovereign and God can't do what he does. Now, when you look at the wording, what it 
actually says is, is he loved less. Love less. We look at it as hate. That's total hate. But that's not the hate that is being put out here. He loved Esau less because we obviously know that Esau was blessed during that time. He had 12. He also had 12, 12 tribes that eventually came out of him. They were all exalted to great positions. They, they ruled in their land for a long time. But ultimately, we see that Israel remained the apple of his eyes because these were people that God wanted to use for his glory. Now, there's this little story that uh, Spurgeon puts out. Uh, a woman once said, actually, to Mr. Spurgeon, I cannot understand why God should say that he hated Esau. To that, Spurgeon replied, Is not my difficulty, madam, my trouble is to understand how God could love Jacob. Remember, Jacob wasn't an angel. Jacob deceived his brother for the blessing. Remember, Jacob ended up having four wives. Remember, Jacob loved Leah less. I mean, we could go on through through his problems and what he did. But truly, we know that God is sovereign. And when we understand that, that God, that God has blessed us, that God has chosen us in his sovereignty. Look, if you're a believer, then God chose you. And if and if you say, well, God will never choose me, so I'm going to despise him and not come to him because there's no way he can choose me, then you've made a choice on your own to not accept God, to say God didn't choose you. You need to choose him. You need to cry out to him because that is not an excuse in the eyes of God. You could never say, God, you, you did not choose me. And God can clearly say, I sent my son to die for you. You had a choice to come to him. And it was the same with the Israelites. They were God's chosen. Yet a lot of these folks chose not to serve him, chose to walk away. And we can clearly go back as far as Moses when he pulled them out of the land. How some of them, as soon as Moses was gone for the, for, for the first 40 days, the people began to play. The people began to be sexually immoral. The people began to worship other gods. It's a choice. It's a choice. Our choice, your choice and your free will is to choose God is to choose God. And at that moment, divinity means mankind. God pulls you from the swamp and God blesses you with everlasting life. Now, nothing's been different than from then to here. Solomon said that there's nothing new under the sun. Verse 4 says this, Whereas Edom saith, we are in Impoverish, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. See, God will let you go on your own. 
God will let you do what you want. (laughs) But when God says, I will throw down, God is not playing. God is saying, yes, I will destroy. I'm ultimately in control. I often look at this, and this is where gang members got, let's throw down (laughs) from this verse. But actually, when we look at Scripture, it is literally saying, I will destroy. You will build and I will destroy because the blessing belonged to Israel. See, they don't have an excuse either because at any time they could have turned to serve God and God would not have rejected them. Think of Judas. He followed God. He was the son of perdition, but he followed him. He followed Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus personally. He heard the teaching and he knew, yet he chose to betray him. He could have repented. Look at Peter. Peter denied him three times, yet he repented. That's the goodness of God is that you can repent at any time. Whether you are a believer or a believer who has gone astray, you can repent. The word is very clear. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, If we continue down reading in verse 4, and they shall call on them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. That's because they never called on God. They never repented. Now, God sees beyond what we see. We see the temporal. God sees eternity. God lives outside of time. Remember what it says in Scripture. In the beginning, God created time. That's the beginning. He created the heavens. He created space. And then in space, he put the earth. He created matter. All Instantly, he's God. He lives outside of time. Something you and I cannot understand because God has always been. And verse 5 says, And your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Now, I get how these people began to question him. You know, during Malachi's time, Zechariah And some of the other prophets, Haggai, had already prophesied. And there's no doubt when they saw this prophecy, I'm sure they expected those prophecies to be fulfilled during their lifetime. And and so uh, there were people that were disappointed. And there's a lot of Christians now that are disappointed. You, You hear about the rapture. You hear about Jesus coming. And some of you say, hey, that's, they've been saying that forever and still nothing's changed. But if you've been in the Word, if you've listened to the Word, you know that things are changing. You know that something isn't right. Something isn't right right now. When in the last couple of weeks, you, you've seen, you've seen a trans, the murders that these two transgenders have committed. And what's really wild about the first one, 
uh, Leah, when she committed her her crime, it's it's mind boggling because she killed three children and three adults. I guarantee you, when she went in there, she didn't know that the three adults were in their sixties. Think of that six six six. I guarantee you that she didn't know that the three children were nine years old. Turn nine nine around and it's six six six. I'm sure she didn't know, but she was directed by the demons that took hold of her. When you take your eyes off of God, every demon in hell could come in. Every demon in hell. Now, verse 6 says, The son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? There is another question. How have we despised your name? Look, a son honoreth his father. Malachi is very, very clear. And a servant his master. And then the question is posed by God. If I'm your father, where is my honor? If, if, if I'm the master, where is my fear? But you know what they did? They despised his name. And how did they despise his name? And the question to that is posed, the answer is in the very next books. You you offered polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And in that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible, it is despised. Listen, when we come to God, and if you're a believer, we need to bring God our best. You heard our guest today. You heard Tim, second in command sheriff, that he always brought his best. He always was there to protect. He always respected those that were arrested. And he was very clear. 95% of those arrested made mistakes. They, they did something that they perhaps would never do again. And there's 5% that are evil. Straight evil. Just like this, the, the, especially the most recent transgender that got fired from his job. He was a man posing as a woman went in there and and killed these people and wounded all these folks. We're living in horrible times. Where is his honor? If he's the father, then we should bless him. I heard a service recently of of a man, and I'm not even going to mention his name, a pastor that has a mega church who who had an Easter, uh, put on an Easter, a resurrection Sunday that was compared to the Grammys where the people are saying he crucified a woman. And he had all secular music that was that was playing, and it wasn't even Christian music. Where is his honor? Where is the church now? But you do have some good men. You do have some pastors that are preaching the word. But we're living in some crazy, crazy times when when we see things like this in church, when we see homosexuals behind the pulpit, when we see adulterers behind the cult behind the pulpit when when we see thieves behind the pulpit that steal from their people where is the honor that god deserves you have polluted the bread upon my altar you have polluted you haven't brought your best and if you offer the blind for sacrifice is it not evil and if you offer the lame and sick is it not evil 
Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? You know what that question is saying? You know, there's a lot of thieves in the church. There's a lot of Christians that are robbing God now. You, you pay your taxes and, and because you're afraid of going to jail, but you don't give God your best. You don't give God your tithe. You're like, I know, but it's going to a church. It's not going to God. Listen, your job is is to be in a church that is worshiping God, that is that is teaching the Bible, that is not outside the Bible, that 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 man of God is bringing his best, and that doesn't give you an excuse not to give God your best. He says, would you do that for your governor? Would you do that for your government? Saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, I beseech you, God, that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? That's a question that's posed to you. Will he regard your persons? Who is there even among you that should shut the doors for naught? You know, some churches need to be closed right now. Some churches that are, that are, that are teaching these, these things in churches. You know, I sat at a board hearing, at a school board hearing in Oceanside, California, where a pastor supposedly of a church shows up and he says, we need to love these people. You know that God loves them just as much as he loves you. And these people, the Bible, nowhere in the scriptures does it says that that being a transgender is wrong. Well, what, aren't you looking at what scripture says? You know that transgender is a new word. The word before that was, was a homosexual, was man with man, female with female. That's an abomination in the eyes of God. This is the direction of our church, but it's just not on those that are behind the pulpit. It's also on the people. It's also on those that know what is right and not doing what is right. Will you close the doors? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. You know, it's better not to give. If you're in this in this place, if, if you're if you're not bringing God your best then don't give it to him at all, because it's better not to. If you're not giving God your best in prayer, then you're better not off not praying. If you're not giving God your best when you're fasting, it's better not to fast. If you're not giving God your best when you go to church, it's better not to go to church. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And see, this is what God did. This is the last book that was given to the Jewish people. He says, if you don't get it, I will do it amongst the Gentiles. Praise the Lord that blindness has come upon Israel. Because that's how we've been engrafted in. Through Jesus Christ. But Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But it's very simple. But to all who, 
who receive him, to them he gave the authority, the power to be called children of God. Yes, he's come to the Gentiles. Yes, God has blessed the Gentiles through Jesus, through all those that have called upon his name. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name, and, in, and a pure offering for your name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. Just like he said to the woman at the well, you don't need to go up to Jerusalem. You don't need to go up to this mountain because the true worshipers are coming in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. See, nothing's new under the sun. But you have profaned it in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even the meat is contemptible. You said also, behold, what a weariness is it. And you have snuffed it at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And you brought that which was torn, the lame and the sick, thus and the sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? Do you think that God should not take what is worthless from your hand? If you are a believer, you need to bring your best. I need to bring God my best. Not just you, but me and all you that are listening, all you pastors, all you people that are sitting in the pews, all you ministry leaders, you need to bring God your best. But cursed be the deceiver which hath in this flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen, God is a great king. Jesus is the king of king and lord of lords. Blessed and be his name forever. May you come now, Lord Jesus. Timothy, will you do us the honor of closing us in prayer? Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Dearly Father, Father God, it's lift up uh, Pastor Adam and his ministry in this radio station, Lord God, that you use him mightily. For your purposes, Lord, and to your glory. And Father God, they will never lose sight in, in whom we serve. Lord, I, I lift up um, pastors throughout this nation, Lord God, that they would abide by your word. Yes, Lord. They will never elevate themselves above your truth. Amen. I'm, I'm grieved by ministries that try to speak like they love people more than you do, um, but you love people the most. You gave your son. Lord, I lift up law enforcement officers, Lord God, that you strengthen them, enable them to be um, representatives of you. Yes, Lord. Lord of God, had the boldness to stand up for your truth. And Lord God, that you strengthen their families, Lord God, that their wives would have total confidence in um, the fact that we're in your hands. And Lord, Lord God, as a nation, may we not lose heart as to what's going on because you foretold us in your, your word. Lord God, we're here to stand for your truth until the end. Lord God, we anticipate your coming, but Father God, may we um, stand strong until your, your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We love you and know that God loves you more. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. 
Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.